Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Really pleased that Dr. Laura Edwards is able to join us today. So our joint CEO um, and um, our directors of primary care, so Michelle Lombardi and Lisa Harding. So we're going to start this morning with talking about the GP contract. So some of you, um, maybe all of you, are aware there's a new um, GP contract out. Um, you may have seen the details and may have seen the letter. You may not have seen it, you may not have time to have a, have a look at it. So we just thought we'd chat through some of it, some of the headlines now, um, as we've got um, Laura with us. And Lisa's going to just ask a few questions. But if you've got anything that you have had discussions with already in your practice, or yours just got particular bits that you're not quite sure about, we're not promising to be the answer to everything, but we'll happily take the questions and, and feedback to you. Um, and we'll talk to you a little bit at, at the end of the discussion about the, a session we're putting on um, that should help you in this. So, um, Lisa, do you want to just have a crack on and um, just yeah, ask Laura what, what you're thinking of the contract and get some opinion about that? Thanks, Louise. So it's obviously all hot off the press and we're waiting for a lot more information which will be forthcoming, hopefully. So we're just going to really try and pick through some of the key elements today. Um, so, so Laura, I mean, the, the letter obviously starts with a big thank you to practice teams for all the hard work that they've done and all the appointments they've delivered and then move swiftly on, interestingly, onto access. And would you, I just wondered whether you had any particular thoughts, comments around some of the access targets, which I think have particularly sort of taken up people's attention um, as a sort of headline grabber to start off with? So I think uh, it's worth reflecting back where the two different sides have come together on this. So the BMA went into this with three headlines. They wanted to address workload, workforce and well-being, And those are the asks from the profession, whereas uh, the NHS England side of it um, have gone in with access as their number one thing um, and that is driven by the politicians at the top that that's what they've heard uh, through uh, their constituents that's the message they've been pushing quite hard through the media is that there's somehow a deficit in access which actually again those of us working on the front line and those of us who take the time to look through the data and the facts know that actually there's a capacity problem rather than an access problem but that is the target that the uh, politicians have set themselves that's the agenda they're working to um, and so unsurprisingly that that has been their headline that they want to come out of, of the contract changes. Now what the headline uh, means is is difficult to tell at this point. So we've seen this uh, phrasing, which is is very vague, of uh, the requirement to do an assessment of need. Now I would just really signpost the, um, to people to the fact that is not the same thing as an appointment. It is an assessment of need. What that actually means, uh, the devil will be in the detail and we need to wait and see. Um, but please do not translate that in your brains as uh, directly to an appointment that is not what it says. And I think it deliberately does not say that. Um, so we do need to wait and see around access. There is a link to the delivery plan for recovering access to general practice, which again, seems slightly ironic, given that actually we're delivering more appointments than we ever have before. Um, then uh, again, I would question what, what needs to be recovered. It's actually how do we rescue general practice and help with the level of demand that we're facing. But we'll have to see what that plan comes out with. And I have no doubt in my mind that those two things will be linked. Um, and we are in a kind of waiting place at the moment. Thank you. And for those, I'm sure everybody's probably had a look at it already by now, but just, just to confirm what it, it says in the opening letter, 
Um, it says to ensure consistency in the access that all patients um, can expect. The GP contract will be updated to make, the, to make it clear that patients should be offered an assessment of need or signposted to an appropriate service at first contact with the practice. Thanks, Laura. Um, so the other element that we wanted to just focus on initially, because we're, we're almost more concerned about this one, is the financial uplift. And I just wondered if you wanted to touch on that briefly. Yes. Again, this was something the BMA had kind of number one to equal on the top of their list was around recognising inflationary pressures that are hitting general practice. Um, and uh, they, they really wanted that recognised by the government. This is something that is out of control of practices, um, but is deeply impacting on them um, and their workforce um, and our ability to retain and recruit to that workforce. Um, so uh, this was something the BMA really wanted recognised. Um, and unfortunately, it feels like in this that actually that has not been recognised at all and 2.1% uplift is not going to allow um, practices to pass on a significant pay rise to their staff um, which is something they, they need to do to retain their staff we can see that this is going to cause significant financial strain for practices in view of all the other inflationary pressures that they are facing at the moment in terms of energy costs and other things that you will all be familiar with as those who are probably seeing the bills as they come in and those rises from all the other spheres that we are, interact with and are dependent upon and reliant upon for our services and supplies that come to us. So I have to say this is this is landed really badly uh, with the BMA. Um, this was one of the reasons why they described it as an insulting offer um, is that this is so far wide of the mark. And I think it's going to place practices in a really difficult position next year. Um, so the BMA are obviously at a point where they're considering what, what else can be done and what the profession might want to do. Um, and I mean, general practice uh, as a response to this. Um, again, just letting everything the dust settle on this at the moment um, they met with the minister they they took it as high as they could um, after that initial rejection they met with Steve Barclay um, but unfortunately there was there was no movement on on his behalf which again was really disappointing and at a local level I guess what can we do so we've been pushing the ICBs all to apply and the public health teams local authorities to push um, for an inflationary uplift to all the LCSs, the locally enhanced services, commission services. But we're really conscious that they have significant savings targets and um, financial pressures that they're um, talking about at the moment. So um, that's difficulty. The other bit that we're saying to practices at a local level to really scrutinise those services that you can choose to sign up to, to really think about as a business practice decision is that worth your while? So I might just bring Michelle in here because I think, Michelle, we've been directing people to the costing template that we've got on our website, which people might want to use, hopefully would find it useful. Absolutely. So there's a costing spreadsheet that takes you through every element. So your staffing element, um, your equipment element, um, insurance, etc. And it helps you cost out what it would cost you to run that service. I think we've also got a link to the BMA. So the BMA have got a quite an extensive toolkit that you can work through around looking at services as well. So both of those are on our website. Um, and I think we're going to put those with the links to those with our um, podcast so they'll be accessible. 
Thanks, Michelle. And I think there was just one item that you wanted to mention about utilities. Was that something that you wanted to bring up now or should we move back to that later? Um, I just want to get a bit more detail uh, around it, but I think it's worth just reminding practices around utilities. And I think it's to do with the VAT that actually you don't pay 20%, you can pay 15%. Um, but I just want to get a bit more detail. So we'll probably put something in our newsletter and maybe the next PM webinar. Great. Okay. So back to the contract letter. Um, I guess some of the other elements that are still quite significant for practices. There's a lot in there. Um, online access. Um, obviously, in terms of prospective access, that will they are saying that will happen by the 31st of October. Now, 2023, at the latest. So we've discussed that a lot on the webinars, and I know that's been a topic of hot debate. Um, we're a little less clear on what they mean. There's some wording in the letter around retrospective access and GDPR. So we're not quite sure what that means at the moment. But once we have a bit more detail, we'll come back to it and give you a bit more information. Um, Laura, I don't want don't know if you'd like to comment on the element around, um, it's been sort of there in the background and pushed back uh, for a couple of years now, um, income declaration and the requirement to do that. Yeah, so again, this is one of those things that at the time it was agreed, it didn't feel like I think it felt like less of a giveaway than it's turned out to be in that at the time uh, the BMA were promised that this was being rolled out across all spheres and this was like a public sector thing uh, and therefore kind of it was going across the board in the public sector. Uh, now it, it appears that no one else is doing it, uh, just GPs and um, it, it leads everyone to question why is this a helpful thing to do um, uh, and and I'm not really clear on an answer. I'm not sure I can find anyone else who's really clear on why only GPs should have to declare their income over 150,000. Um, and again, we know that income is skewed by all sorts of funny things. Um, so again, it's not entirely helpful in that we've got a number of GPs who work an extreme number of sessions um, and, uh, and are real full-time workers in the NHS. And actually, this is now penalising them for doing that. And they are beginning to say, well, this might damage my relationships with my patients. So I will just step down. I'll do less sessions. I'll do less out of hours. Um, and, uh, and and therefore, I won't get kind of it almost feels like named and shamed for this, which is, is really disappointing. Um, as it is, it's going into the regulations. It went through a contract variation last year. And uh, we do feel like uh, unless we hear anything else from the BMA, then this will be something that practices and practitioners affected will have to comply with. Um, again, our view is this may bring really negative, um, adverse, unintended consequences with it. Uh, so it's a very short-sighted move with I'm not sure what gain goes with it. Um, I, I guess there's an element around transparency, um, but actually these are these are highly trained, highly skilled professionals who, as we said, are probably giving a significant number of hours to the NHS at a time where it's asking for that from its workforce. So I'm not sure it's incentivising the workforce in the right way. Thank you. I'm going to briefly touch on immunisations and vaccinations, and then I'm going to just pass to um, Michelle briefly, because I think Michelle's going to touch on the PCN and ARS elements. So just there's a little bit in there around IMS and VAX. Um, so um, they say that uh, some of the changes, one of which will include the removal of the vaccination and immunisations repayment mechanism for practice performance below 80% coverage for routine childhood IMS programmes. Um, which is interesting because in our discussions with the local teams, they've said they're not aware that there is a mechanism for clawing back that uh, element anyway. So whether that would have happened in, in real terms, 
we're not really convinced. Um, there are changes to the immunisation indicators within COF, which will see the lower thresholds reduced to 81 to 89%, depending on the indicator, and the upper thresholds raised to 96%. Again, with our conversations, just initial conversations with the public health teams, I think they have some concerns that some practices will still struggle to meet those indicators, um, but we'll try and find out a bit more and share it with you <clears throat> as we get more information. Um, which then brings us on to some of the elements around PC PCN and ARRS uh, elements. So, Michelle, I know you've looked at these in a, in a little bit of detail. I don't know if you'd like to add some comments on that one. So I think there were just two things I just wanted to pick up on. So in relation to the additional roles reimbursement scheme, I suppose there's been one positive uh, in that they're including advanced clinical practitioner nurses in roles that are eligible for reimbursement. So I think that's a positive. However, again, as Laura said, devil's in the detail. What will that actually mean? I'm sure there'll be a much de a very um, detailed description of what, what that actually means in, in practice. So we'll watch out for that information when it comes through. I think the only other um, element I just wanted to highlight was around the PCN DES specification. So they've highlighted there'd be no additional requirements um, being added to 23-24. So again, that's a, a positive to, uh, to hold on to. Thank you. And so I know, um, Louise, you're going to touch on some of the events that we've got coming up around the contract and so on. But I, I just noticed there are some comments in the, in the Q&A. I don't know if you want to run through those first. Yes, I think let's, let's do the, the, the comments. So there's just, um, somebody's just said they've got NHS property site, gas increase of 290%, electric of 180%, staff costs average increase 7.5%, supplies costs up. How do we remain viable? Laura, any thoughts? I, I think this is something we will be taking to the RCBs as a challenge is if this is your contract and these are your providers, like what do you actually expect for what you're paying for? Um, I think this is a huge challenge. I think we've got to look at what is being given. So what, what monies are being handed across and then what does that buy you? I think, you know, again, there's got to be a really realistic conversation. Um, this fits in really with the BMA safer working. Um, I think traditionally we have just been saying, you know, we'll do more we'll do more, we'll do more, we'll do more. Um, th that can't carry on. I, th I think we've hit, you know, the top of that crescendo. And actually, it's like that performance curve, you know, you, you've got a good amount of performance where you go on the up, you hit the top, and then you start going down the other side. And and we've we've hit that point where it's it's actually tipping. So we've got to start having a realistic conversation, both with our patients around safety um, of what's actually safe. And we've also got to have that same conversation with the commissioners. So I think, as was alluded to, some of the things you don't have to do, they're not your main contract. Those are the locally enhanced services can feel really difficult to let income go. But the calculation you've got to do is what Michelle was alluding to. You've actually got to look at it and say, yes, that brings us some money in. But actually, how much is it costing us to put on that service? We do not think that, that many areas are going to give us an uplift. We will ask for it for you. But when they're 70 million in deficit, then they're saying they're pro probably not going to give it to us. Um, so you have to do that brutal calculation of saying, what does it cost you? And actually, it may be losing you money. So make those make those uh, calculations and then make decisions as, as businesses and if that's what the commissioners are willing to pay for then they have to do, take the consequences of what they might not get in return. Thanks Laura. So the, the next comment is just really I'm really concerned regarding the practice finances going forward. So you're a practice manager now listening to this call what do you go away and do? 
what are the actions that you would suggest? Is it just opening up the conversation, getting the partners together? What are we suggesting that actually people do right now? They may want to take stock of, so my first thing would be looking at the enhanced services. What enhanced services are we, are we signed up to provide? What, using the costing template, what does it cost us to actually provide that service? And then looking what the difference is. So that's probably the first thing I would look at. I don't know what Lisa and Laura think. I think we can. you could look at suppliers. You can. There's lots of things you can look at around financial processes to make sure you're maximising the, which every, I'm sure every practice has already done and is doing. But I think probably the local enhanced services is the main area um, and local incentive schemes that you're signed up to provide to make sure you're actually getting the money in that cost, it costs you to run the service. And I think we've got Matt Perkins, one of our great practice manager supporters, who does a number of um, um, bite-sized sessions for us on finance. And he will always say, whatever money, don't assume the money you sent off that you're going to get it in. Don't assume it's anywhere. Just get that spreadsheet out and make sure every penny you are due is coming back into you. Look at staff overtime. That's another thing that can just quickly get out of control if you're not careful. So there are some sort of low level things that you can do as well as some strategic things. Um, and I'll put a link in, in the chat to um, some of the finance information we've got on, on our website. Um, the next one is, Laura, what are practices short term options? Staff are, will leave general practice, um, which will have a greater negative effect on primary care, including time spent on training new staff if you can get them. So, yeah. What are, what are any options on there? I think it's a moment to take a deep breath. Uh, we've got to, we've got to wait and see some of the detail. I think we've really got to do that first. So at the moment, pause. It's it's not great news as it feels right now, but let's wait and see what actually comes out. Um, we've talked around some of the actions that you then might do. I think safer working practice and, and moving towards that and making the job actually manageable is really important. Engaging with your patients and explaining that message around patient safety is really key and getting them on side. It does feel like the mood music is changing. People are understanding that this is a profession, particularly because we, you know, everything kind of hinges on the GPs. Um, GPs, there are not enough of them. I think you can then relay that message through the whole team because actually if you don't have enough GPs and GPs, appointments then the reception staff get a really hard time because they can't provide what people want because that isn't there and you will be able to I mean I think we, we know it we know more data about GPs but you will know for your individual practices how each of your staff groups are feeling at the moment um, and we just need to stick with that message and actually be honest with the population and not blame the staff I think we need to move away from that message and again I think that is happening as people are realizing the pressure across the whole NHS we are being seen as part of that group of the NHS so try and engage with your patients around that. Uh, we will be announcing an innovations conference uh, soon. And part of that will be around social media um, and, and how you can be engaging effectively um, with your patients because they, you know, we, we need to align with them. We need to be engaged with them. I think the other thing to think around is um, what does this mean? Actually, what is your reaction? If this is the final offer on the table, actually, what does this mean? Because actually what we're saying is it's really difficult for us as practices. What actually does that mean is it's not good for our patients either. We're not we're being starved of resources to provide a good service for our patients. That's actually the knock on consequence. Um, it, and 
and and we do need to sit there and think what's the rest of the nhs doing in this position at the moment they are they are alerting people to that uh, do we need to do the same thing in some way um we would look to uh, the trade union nationally of of how we actually take this forward so for us obviously the profession for the general practitioners then that is the bma your staff groups may have other um trade unions uh, around but obviously we're, we're looking really to the bma to be that voice um for general practice in this scenario to engage with the government um they will be again considering what they want to do at this point um and uh, again we may be looking at alternative action and it's a time for conversations in your practice how strongly do people feel and again you as practice managers will be really key in that and spelling out what this actually means for your practices once that um, information is available what will this actually do because of course for, for for a lot of the staff, they just turn up and they do what they're told to do and the demand comes in on the day and they just keep rolling. You guys will actually see that financial impact, what that actually translates into in terms of um, what what resource have you got to spend on staff to do the doing. Um, and you need to translate that back to GP partners as owners of the business or yourselves if you're an owner of the business as well. Of What does that mean for you? And um, and if it's not good, then what are you prepared to do um, to, to, to spread that message and feed that back? Thank you, Laura. I mean, we've mentioned a couple of things there. So we we had um, Joanna Welsh, our comms officer, on our webinar last time, and she showed us how to use some of the media that some of the interviews you've done, Laura, and your um, joint CEO, Andy Perbrick, um, some of the interviews to put on the website and to also use yourselves. And you made that good comment about you don't blame lorry drivers if there aren't enough lorry drivers. You know, it's, it's, it's that comment, isn't it? So um, Laura mentioned an innovations conference that come up on the 6th of July. We're going to talk more about social media there and give you the this is how you do it this is the button you press and this is how what the effect it can have and we've got a gp who's um, uses social media to great effect in our patch and he's going to be there talking to us um the other thing that's come up is conversations with unions conversations with individuals who are members of unions and are they members of unions? Are they not members of unions? We're conscious that's quite a difficult conversation and there are rules about the conversations you can have and the rules that, and the conversations you can't have. So one thing we thought might be helpful is we'll try and get an HR person to come on one of these sessions with us and just chat through. Actually, this is what you can say. This is what you can't say because it's nurses, it's GPs, but it's also the issue with the partners um, and, and their status. That's another thing altogether. Um, and also practice managers. I mean, I suspect many practice managers aren't in unions. I suspect many admins are aren't um, but it's just having the conversation so knowledge is always a good thing isn't it so more awareness we can have and we can help in that give you and we thought those, those sort of conversations might help um the original query and this is one back to you i think lisa has the original query with record access been resolved i.e the data controller part without this clarification we're in the same position as last year so are we aware of still some outstanding issues I think there are still persistent concerns. I'm not sure all of those have been addressed. Um, I think some of the guidance has been updated. I think more practices have decided to go live with it. Um, so I think I think as a plus, I think some of the feedback from practices is it's been smoother than they anticipated, although I know it has created an awful lot of work for a lot of practices as well. So no, I think there's still some concerns, but I think there is an impetus that nationally it will go ahead. And okay. and so that's that. It's it's in the contract. Yeah, bit of a fait accompli. Okay, thank you. That's helpful, Lisa. Um, 
Next comment, what are generally people offering as a pay rise to staff? If people want to put, they can put it anonymously in the chat, um, just what any figure that they are offering, that just might be, it just gives us a flavour, doesn't it, of what some practices are offering in, in our area. Um, if anybody wants to put it in the chat now, they're very welcome and you can all see the, um, the, the, um, the numbers coming in. Uh, the biggest pushback is the biggest thing is pushback for work we shouldn't be doing. Um, so one of the things is feeding back some of the templates which we push back to temp to to patients. So and that's using um, AQRX. Accurate. Yeah, Accurate. So um, I don't know what those look like. Laura, you might know more than I do about what those templates might look like and how patients are receiving those. I feel like that's not a question. I think that's a comment, Jenny, just saying that these are things you're absolutely right, Jenny. Um, this is the other angle is that the NHS, uh, and I don't know which angle you're going at for, for these examples. Perhaps you could type while I'm talking of some of the examples, but we're definitely seeing pass around um, in, in the NHS that we've got uh, secondary care. It's, it's interesting. We've got very, very siloed um, specialists now um, who are, are very defined in, in what they do and what they don't do um, and they pass back a lot of stuff to primary care and that's something certainly we're working on as an LMC is trying to reduce that we all need to be playing our part it, it might take them a little bit longer but actually it's way more efficient for them to do it there at that point than it is to create a lot of work in primary care and extra appointments in primary care so that's another angle that we're going at um, I'm just seeing so Yes. So Jenny's picked one up there at UHS. That's a good one to uh, signpost if anyone else isn't aware. This is a self-referral service for patients that exists. So they can simply contact UHS through this service um, and they can have uh, their PSA done and all of the um, consenting around it, the results and the um, feedback on that. So that can take that can go solely totally away from the practice. They do not need to have any contact with their practice or referral from the GP, nothing. They can just literally do that. And you can find that on google so um that's a good one lovely thank you Lauren. thank you jenny uhs university hospital southampton southampton yes not southampton not, general not in southampton um doug's put a general comment on staff we need better training for recoders to take them from zero to being competent key to maximizing income from staff from quaff i'll take that one back doug and i'll have a little look at that and see whether we can find some training um to, that will enable that to happen for you I think that's probably um, enough on the contract, unless um, Michelle, Lisa or Laura, you have anything else you wanted to add? And I'll Could Yes, of course, Michelle. Go on. Sorry, Louise. Uh, I, I just wanted to add. So we would, I think in previous years, we've taken the contract information and put it into um, a slide, uh, a slideshow and also a summary in a, temp, in a in a table. And we're going to do the same this year with potentially our comments attached to it. So we'll get that out. And I just, just listening, I mean, it was an interesting question that you raised about what do practices need to do now? And I just wonder if there feels like there was quite a few there that I've taken that from Laura and from suggestions from um, uh, attendees that we could have a bit of a checklist and you could it's just some suggestions about what you want to might you might consider and we could include that with that information good idea michelle that, that'd be really helpful so the last question jenny's put in quaff register protection any idea what this means i think we're still waiting for quite a bit of detail um we are putting on a webinar um at 
three o'clock, three to four on the 30th of March for any of you and any of your partners, any of your um, colleagues who would like to attend. And that's going to be a discussion with Laura and Andy, our joint CEOs, and Richard Van Melartz, who's a deputy chair and a GP um, of the uh, GP committee for BMA. He's a GP partner. So do join in with that. Do come along and bring your questions. That's after a lot of the BMA roadshows. So I'm hoping you will have a lot more detail then. Um, and it's our chance to say um, to, um, to Richard Van Melartz, so what's happening with this? What do you suggest we do? What are you seeing nationally? Um, and what are other areas doing, which is always helpful to know. So do join that. So that's 30th of March, three till four. And I'm going to put the um, just the link in the chat as we're talking. And as you're doing that, I'm happy to answer that, Jenny, a little bit. Um, we've had some discussions around this and again at national level and said, what does this mean? We kind of think this is like a free unicorn protection uh, with your car insurance. Um, it, it's, it's not actually that helpful. Um, because uh, it's saying that you don't need to do the uh, register, but actually all the other bits of those domains will still hold. So um, you actually need a register in order to do the doing for the rest of the um, requirements of COF in that section. Otherwise, you won't be able to, to do them because you won't have a list of patients that you know you need to do it on. So as I said, it's a bit like a unicorn damage uh, insurance policy. It, it's not, it doesn't really give you anything. Um, and, and I think that's our interpretation of a few of the things that are in this contract is they feel a bit like padding, um, that they are kind of free giveaways of stuff that, yeah, doesn't actually help you. They're kind of nothings. Um, so uh, we think cough register protection, unfortunately, is is one of those. Sounds good, but probably there isn't much inside the box when you look. Um, and the comment then just wanted to make an observation. We already signpost and offer everyone an appointment. So this aspect isn't new to us or am I reading it wrongly? We also signpost to 111 as there's no clarity about where to signpost in the new contract. I don't think you're reading it wrongly, Philip. I think we've all been having those conversations. It's, it is the um, all signpost well to whom and have they got any more capacity than we have or, or those that they currently have so I think absolutely not reading it wrongly we're waiting for the detail um, and though yeah as soon as we know something we will obviously let you know but those conversations will roll on for the next couple of weeks at least um, so thank you for that conversation thank you very much Laura and Lisa and Michelle for that I think we're going to move on to a few other items we have and um, that we thought would be helpful to share with you um, Lisa the panic button mm. Okay, so um, it was a question really. We've had uh, a couple of practices contact us about us about the removal of the panic button in EMIS uh, and in EMIS Web, um, and we we're just interested. We are going to raise it with the ICBs, so we've already had some conversations with the ICBs about it. Um, it did cause a flurry of emails on the national LMC list server, so it's also been escalated up to the BMA. Um, so hopefully they are they are cited on it because it's seen as something that's really important and really useful. I think they're citing that the functionality varied. It wasn't always working is some of the feedback that I've heard. But I just would be interested to know if anybody's got any alternatives that they would suggest that we perhaps have a look at. One is the little green button. Um, and one of the practice managers had said that it can be configured to the PC location rather than EMIS, which configures to the user who may be working anywhere in the building. And they felt that the cost was relatively cheap. Obviously, that's the cost of the practice. Um, so if anybody's got any alternatives, it would be really interesting to hear about it. And as I say, we have raised it with the ICBs and we will continue to do so. Thank you, Lisa. I think, Laura, you've got some hot news that's just come in. 
Yeah, so I think the budget is just being announced. Uh, there's a competitive rival to us uh, on air at the moment. Um, and one of the pieces of good news that's come out is the lifetime allowance has gone, uh, which is good. Um, I'm just trying to find what the um, tax allowance is as well, the an annual allowance, because these were things that are um, driving um, our, our GPs and other doctors away as well. Um, so that has gone. And also the annual allowance has been increased from 40,000 to 60,000, um, which uh, is, is also helpful. And again, we've had some people with perverse incentives to leave uh, the com to, to leave the profession and this will help. Um, so those are two good pieces of news that were not part of the contract, but are, are happening. Good. That's nice. Thank you, Laura, for that. And just in response, Lisa, to the comment about the, the little button, um, those on Surgery Connect can add an emergency button to their handsets. Um, another comment, our phone system allows a page option, which we're going to use. Um, we have the green button, but it's incredibly expensive. Um, with the panic button, this is a core security feature and one that was included within the clinical system funded by the NHS. As this has now been removed, will the NHS stroke ICS be funding alternatives such as Wiggly Amp? I think that's just something you're working yeah, on. Yeah, so that's for us to raise, isn't it? Yeah, so thank absolutely. you. Um, green button, really expensive. I've already asked our ICBIT lead if they would fund it. I was told I will ask, but don't hold your breath. Okay. But it doesn't stop us asking, does it? Um, we have a red button in all clinical rooms, so that might be a physical button um, as opposed to on the computer. Um, okay, Codegate also do, which is cheaper than a little green button. Um, okay, so that's fine. I think that's, that's just been the comments to the little green button, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, Michelle, I think we're coming to you next about prescriptions for reimbursement. Thanks, Louise. So this is the FP34 uh, drug reimbursement claim process that practices will go through. Um, it was really just to highlight that um, from April, every all the drugs reimbursements and the um, claims that you're putting in must be under a GP prescribing number. I think there's been a historical workaround, particularly for um, pool practices who um, operate pooled lists, um, but the process that you currently put in is no longer available. Therefore, you must submit all of the claims with a GP prescribing number. There's been some issues previously uh, with this, which is why this is, uh, there's been a change with the process. And we know there's some historical discrepancies uh, in payments that practices need to be aware of, which NHS England, uh, NHS BSA and PCSE are working through. So hopefully there'll be a retrospective reconciliation exercise to identify any incorrect payments that you have um, that have been in place. So it was really just to highlight that there's a, a change in process from April around the FP34 process. Lovely. Thank you, Michelle. Um, just some further comments about um, Laura's hot news. Um, so any GPs who are due to leave because of the, long, long, the lifetime allowance, lifetime allowance is great for the higher earners, but it doesn't help those on lower wages, does it? So it's yes. What do they say? Swings and roundabouts. It's, it yeah. is. They haven't, they haven't answered the fundamental problem, but this is one little perversity because I think looking at lifetime allowance and the annual allowance, I think the figures were something like 75% of the people getting caught by this are doctors. Um, and it's because of what they do with our pension. And it's not real money. It's theoretical, like abstract money that's somewhere over there. So it's a, it's a very odd calculation and and doctors aren't in control of what they can put in and out of their pension because of the timing so 
they were getting bitten and it was causing people to leave. So it doesn't answer some of the more fundamental problems that we're facing. But I think it, it is a helpful part of the jigsaw. It's it's um small it's something thing. that needed fixing. So it, it's it's a small part to to have. But we're grateful for anything just at the moment. Aren't yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> one piece of good news. Um, okay. Please, can you highlight the new HRT prepayment scheme, which starts on the 1st of April 23? So I don't know anything about that. Do any of my esteemed colleagues know anything about that? A, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've we've seen that come in again. That's come through uh, pressure nationally. I think um, this is something that's coming in. We've had some contact from pharmacies. There's not a great. Uh, it hasn't been. No one will be surprised about this. Will they? For my next sentence, it hasn't been fully thought, thought through. Uh, it is being brought in really rapidly. Um, I think it's something that again, there's been significant political pressure around. Um, we are just waiting for some details on this, but um, I think it's something that's going to have to be done as printed out. Is my understanding? So it can't be done uh, electronically, uh, which is a slight oddity. Um, we are pushing. Um, um, at a national level, again, through the BMA, who, again, were told about this as a fait accompli. It's been done and it's going to happen, you know, in a couple of weeks time. Um, so we're pushing hard to say that actually they need to get everything sorted out before they bring it in. Again, whether anyone will listen to rational, logical sense around this, I, I don't know. It sounds like something that is good to bring in, um, but uh it needed a bit more um, preparation for it. So we're trying to push to see if they could do some of that preparation before bringing it in uh, rather than afterwards. Thank you, Laura. That's helpful. And I think you just wanted to, you had a little bit of interest from the media last week. You were involved um, in a few interviews. I just, do you want to share that, Laura? Yes. So just to highlight again, the LMC is out there and uh, putting the message out um, and trying to get across our perspective on how things are at the moment. There was um, a fantastic article done by Dr. Lisa Naylor from Poole um, uh, by uh, BBC Radio Solent. Um, They challenged, uh, she challenged uh, reporters to come and spend a day with her. um, And she did. um, And she did a a really good article um, about all the pressures that we're facing in general practice at the moment. And then Andy and I, uh, through the power of kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, but uh, technology, um, we were uh, simultaneously on two different parts of um, BBC Radio Solent answering live questions um, after that article. Uh, So we did that in the early part of last week. um, And then uh, my children thought I'd hit true legendary status because um, we managed to get on Heart FM um, and uh, they do very different kind of news bulletins. They are very short and sweet, um, but nonetheless, we were on them and we got on three times. So they do an hourly bulletin. Some of you may be familiar and it is around one minute and 90 seconds in total to get across all of the national news of importance and local. Um, and we got we got a sentence there, three different sentences, one on each of the hours trying to get across our perspective. I think one of the other things we'd, I was trying to put across is that we are above safety levels at the moment. Again, speaking into that um, message. Um, and again, linked us to HGV drivers saying, you know, some of our GPs are working at three to four times uh, what, what would be deemed safe in other countries. And the analogy we used is it's like asking an HGV driver to drive four lorries simultaneously down a motorway. We wouldn't do that. We would think that was a ridiculous ask. But actually, that's what we're asking of our healthcare professionals. And it's not fair. Thank you, Laura. And um, both the 
um, actual conversations, the interviews that you and Andy um, did, I'll put in the link in the chat. And I was also, also the second link I put in is how to share these messages on your own social media. So if you wanted to retweet or put them on Facebook or put them on your own website, that's also a, a literally a step-by-step -step guide, which I said Joanna um, shared with us um, last week. So that's fine. Um, and okay. we had Steve Bryan responded to, um, he was on the same channel as me. Um, so he responded to the article and then my comments afterwards. And actually, he, so he's an MP who covers uh, Winchester area. He's also chair of the Health Select Committee and he was actually very supportive. Uh, there were a couple of things we possibly disagreed around about uh, the junior doctor strikes potentially might have different feelings around that and the necessity of them. But around general practice, he really got it. And actually, um, I, I felt he would probably challenge what we had said. And actually, he didn't. He was really supportive and on message with us, which was, again, really good to hear. That is good. Thank you. It's interesting how these um the little bits of media we're doing now are just building momentum, aren't they? So we're just hoping that's helpful for the practices. Um, just a couple more comments. Um, so we're just going back to the HRT prepayment. It allows patients to have a year's worth of HRT for the annual cost of two normal prescription fees. NHS BSA says that patients will be able to apply for these online. Um, and then somebody just put, sorry, I should know this, does the ER top up from 14.38% to 20.6% apply to all staff? or just the GPs? Anybody know the answer to that one? My understanding, it was all staff, but we probably could just, we will just double check that. That's fine, that's lovely. Mm. Um, okay, so that we've come to the end now of our planned agenda. We've obviously had lots of comments. Thank you so much um, for all your questions. That's been fantastic. Over 50 of you are physically with us now, and we know lots of you listen to us afterwards and when you listen to the recording. So very many thanks, Laura, for joining us. Thank you to Michelle and Lisa um, and for answering all the questions. As I said, I will put a summary of the percentage, percentage pay, um, pay riders that you have all offered in the chat. So thank you so much again, and um, have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.